Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family. We chose this one. This is episode 62, The Night Before Fast and Furious. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Too. And this episode is brought to you by the-santa-claus-conservatory.com. Often referred to as the Stanford of Santa Schools, membership in the Santa Claus Conservatory Santa Claus School range from $27 to $397. The Santa Claus Conservatory Santa Claus School has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Fox Business, Money Magazine, Vox, and many others. For more information, call Santa Ed at 424-343-9555. That, that's an aggressive move to put your phone number just like right on. I feel like that's probably his phone number. Probably. Where's the 424 area code? Los Angeles. Makes sense. Cool. Well, we are here. This is a very special bonus sort of thing, special thing for Too Fast, Too Forever. We will get into that after the break. But before we do that, Joe, we've got to start off with extracurricular activities. What have you been up to since we recorded Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift with Cara Gale-Regan? I actually have a couple of fun things that I've been up to. Thursday night was part one of the finale of Temptation Island. Okay. So I had my friends come over and we had a Temptation Island mini finale party. But we're waiting for part two because it's going to get really juicy. Tomorrow night I'm going to have them come over again and we're going to watch the finale finale of Temptation Island. Very exciting. Friday I had my work Christmas party which was lovely as always. Mm-hmm. Saturday, I went over to one of my friend's houses and had a mini, like she had a, a mini Christmas party get together. I got to meet her brother and his wife and a couple of my other friends were there and we just had a fun drinking night. Um, we're actually, we played this game called Joking Hazard and it's like a cyanide and happiness you know those cartoons? Mm-hmm. It's like a card game, though, and it's a great drinking game. Everyone plays kind of like Cards Against Humanity, right? Like yes. This is kind yep. of like the standard go-to game at this point. This is very similar. Like, if you have ever played Cards Against Humanity, you would understand this game pretty quickly. Okay. Except it's panels with cartoons, cartoon panels on them, right? So instead of, like, words, it's more of an illustration. And what you do is you draw one from the, the deck, and you add one from your hand, and you can get people to choose like you can choose if people either play the beginning middle or end of the cartoon right so you okay, can so frame three, it you're, how you're building a three panel cartoon best cartoon funniest cartoon wins there's lots of like vulgar stuff in there highly recommended if you're fr- if you're a fan of cards against humanity this is fun it's a little bit different it's a little bit smarter because like you know you have different there's the blue shirt guy and the green shirt guy so like you have to like kind of get them to respond to each other so it takes a little bit more thought than cards against humanity not really and it's a great game if you're drinking in a big group to like have something to move the sticks right so you're not just like sitting there drinking in a circle like twiddling your thumbs but mm-hmm. at the same time it's also like if you want to go to the bathroom it doesn't matter you know what i mean like you can just play this very passively cool that's what i was up to this weekend how about you oh so friday i went with a friend to visit another friend in new york we hung out with him for a while then we went to see uncut gems the new adam sandler movie the new Sassy brothers the... movie which is fantastic incredible i wanted to ask you about this i saw you post about it, but i figured i'd wait until now because I, I knew you'd bring it up yeah so it's really good like definitely worth the watch oh it's great yeah yeah, yeah. it's going it everywhere i think on christmas day so i think it should be near you on christmas ish so go check it out then it's so good it's so tense it's so tightly it's wound a- and... if you don't know it's a24 adam sandler the weekend the weekend is a very very small 
ballpark, but he's in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's like a big part of the pitch to it. Adam Sandler's a diamond salesman, and he just, he's in over his head in a lot of different ways. Uh, Kevin Garnett's in the movie. Lakeith That's Stanfield right, yes. from Atlanta's in the movie. Adina Menzel from Frozen is in the movie. She Adele plays Dazeem. Adele Dazeem is in the movie. It's made by the Safdie brothers who made Heaven Knows What a couple movies ago. Then they made Good Time with Robert Pattinson, oh, I think, two years ago. I like Good Time. So, yeah, that was a it's, good movie. Uh, it's a great, great movie. One of the best of the year, I think. Then on wow. Saturday, okay. I was going to have my birthday party at Top Golf, but then mm-hmm. a lot of people couldn't make it, so I canceled that. And instead, I just had people over to play Rock Band. That I thought I was only going to have like three people because it just seemed like every holiday party was this past weekend. Yes, but I had like six or seven people show up, which was great. A couple surprises, awesome. which was a lot of fun. Played a lot of Rock Band with past guests of this pod. Uh, Chris Podcast was here, so I was yes, very excited he loves to see Rock him. Band. I don't know this. He does love Rock Band. That was cool. Then Sunday was my actual birthday, and I just had a low-key birthday by myself. And then Monday night, I went out with my parents and celebrated with them and had a nice dinner. Last night, I saw Richard Jewell, the new Clint Eastwood movie, which was good. I don't think you need to see it. I think it's... I think you get it probably from the trailers. I didn't see the trailers, but I feel you. Yeah. You know, Clint Eastwood, it, it's, a, it's a strange movie. It's a very divisive movie in terms of reviews and critical feedback because I think people don't like him for his politics and they're saying that he's like, you know, anti-media. But this is more anti-government than anti-media. It's just a very kind of strange movie. But a lot of people that I really like are in it. A lot of good performances. It just, you don't have to go rush out and see it. If, if, if you only see one movie... This Christmas season, go see Uncut Gems when it comes near I'm you. I'm planning on it. I'm really stoked for that movie. And then this upcoming weekend, I've got a uh, annual tradition of me and me and the Mikester, me and Mike Manzi, going to see a couple movies, recording a couple podcasts on Saturday. So I will report back cool. about that next episode. I'm officially 32 years old, so that is exciting. Still, no significance to that age other than it's one before Jesus here. So yeah, still struggling to come up with meaning for that. But well, it is birthday, what you make brother. it. Happy birthday. Lots well, of happy thank you. birthdays. Thank you, thank you. And also happy birthday shout out Rachel, who had a birthday too since our last yes. episode. Yes, her birthday was yesterday in real people time and many days ago for everybody. Yeah, we celebrated there. her birthday with the Tokyo Drift episode. We did, that's true. We have a Patreon page in the show, TooFast2Forever.com. Okay, so here's some, so this oh, is all going to be cool. part of the mailbag, but we've gotten two. I did not tell you, Jeb, we got a second person of the four has sent in their movie picks. We've got two movies. Ooh, both I know about one. Six. I know about one. Oh, okay. So there's, okay. So what I'm going to do in the mailbag second, which is coming up next, I'm going to read both emails and then I'm going to read the email that we got about one and I'm going to read the little back and forth that you have with Nick, but I'm going to beep out both movies. So you're going to know, but the listeners, okay. they might oh, know, oh, they oh. might have some context clues, but they're not going to know the, the, the names of the movies. They're also not going to necessarily know what the lap theme is, but they might have some context clues because we're we're coming up on lap six. Yeah, it's getting close, man. So yeah, too fast too forever.com. If you want to pick movies or things for us to watch on a yearly basis, go over there. If you want to get swag and merch, if you want to get voting rights, if you want early access to episodes, too fast too forever.com. Before I go to the mailbag though, I want to go to the reviews. Joe, we have an 18th five-star review and what? We have a new review written yesterday. No, seriously? Who is it? I didn't I see it. Don't know who it is. It's Frank Coors Fallen Star. So maybe Jeff Francoeur. Is there another Francoeur? Do you know Jeff Francoeur? No. Baseball player. Okay. Um, he is currently, yeah, he's on the Braves. Or wait, no. Okay. He's a former. Maybe he retired? Did he retire? Is he just not on a team? I don't You're know. The one who plays fantasy baseball. Francoeur's Fallen Star gives us five stars. Subject line, I stopped listening to all other podcasts. All other podcasts. That's what it says. I don't know who you are. If you if you are Francoeur's Fallen Star, email in. But here's what Francoeur says. Okay. I used to listen to many podcasts until one day I ran across this one. Now I need nothing else. A hilarious and yet poignant look into the best and most realistic film franchise ever created. Joe and Joe 2 are continuously fun to listen to and bring in a thoughtful array of guests to dig deep into Dom, Brian, Letty, and the family. 
ride or die, and subscribe. Damn. That's a great review. That's a great review. I wonder who, who this is. Who are you? I don't know. Mysterious stranger. Yeah, like if it was somebody that like would have told me they just reviewed, you know what I mean? Like if this was like one of our friends or something, they usually like, first of all, they don't write a review because they're like, I don't care about you guys that much. They would have told us if they did. So yeah, I don't know who this is. If you are that person. Frank Horst Fallen Star. So I, I Googled Frank Horst Fallen Star. There's not like, I, I don't have like, I'm, I'm looking for, you know, like a Twitter name or something. It's not there. But when Jeff Frank Horst re-signed with Atlanta, because I think he was supposed to be like a real hot young prospect, was pretty good for a while, then kind of fell off a cliff and then was re-signed later by the Braves. There's a sentence that says, Frank Horst, who has a double single and a walk in seven spring at-bats, went from Sports Illustrated cover boy to Fallen Star. So maybe it's a Braves fan? I don't know. Do we have any? Yeah. Do we have any Atlanta based listeners i guess we might have one i don't know the only person that's in atlanta is matt but he's definitely not listen like he and he's not in a braves fan enough to yeah, like his, write yeah, his, his itunes name is not frank horse fallen star no definitely it's probably not. like i have a cool cooler star wars fan 17 yeah all right joe mailbag time it's hard because it's kind of all over the place but we have eight different things that i'm going to read okay okay so first up we have the facebook messenger back and forth between you and nick burris yes so nick is one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse the four guys that we have at the ten dollar tier per month over on patreon too fast to forever.com controls the fate holds the reins in his hands yes so he picks yeah he says Pick for lap six, rated R American Graffiti, basically. Oh. And you said, ow, ow, this looks super interesting, and I've never heard of it. He says it's a comedy, too. You, you said you have a story about one of the stars, or maybe the star of the movie, that you will tell on this episode. Yeah, this guy looks like he is the star, and trust me, this is another one of these like car connection stories that whenever I think of this person, I think of the story. And I actually think I told the story on here before, but now that you're reading this, does it sound familiar or no? No, I don't think so. Okay. We'll all find out together. We'll all find out together. But whenever I think of this person, I think of that one specific time at that time. Nick also said there's a movie called Two Lane Blacktop, which is another one that he wished he could pick. There's more car movie drag racing. Uh, we should and you said that, that you know too, right? you think that more people are going to pick lap six because there's more options than lap seven, which I think there's there's a lot of options for lap seven. There's actually one secret thing that I might there's one thing for lap seven that I would I think would make Wes happy, but I don't know how we would do it within the framing the context of the show, which okay. would be to do like two or three episodes of ah that would but be I don't know how to do that and have it make any sense whatsoever. I, I would be in for it. I, I would commit time wise. Have you ever and, seen any um, of that? The first season, yeah, I saw the first season. I got into two and was like, man, Rachel does love it. She's a huge fan. But I'm going to sort of selectively bleep some of that stuff out so there's some context clues there. But yeah, Nick put in a pick. Very excited. It's a movie that I don't think either of us have ever seen. Heard of. So that's going to be very cool. Yeah. Uh, so that's one. And then Alex Ellenin wrote in his pick. Okay, so his subject line next okay. lap. Uh, he says, my pick is for you guys to both watch from 1981. Oh, okay. This is this is one of my dad's favorite movies, actually. So you've seen it a bunch. No, I've I've... Definitely seen it before, but not since I was, like, a very small child. I've never seen this, and I've been meaning to. He likes this one a lot, and he likes one that has a very similar title, Context Clue. He says, I have a big interest in the actual <laughs> which the record was just lowered to 20 I might believe that entire sentence. It might just be like a, uh, like there's the movie The Report, which is the new Adam Driver movie about, you know, Senator Dianne Feinstein and her team investigating enhanced interrogation techniques like the torture, like in Gitmo and stuff. And then they yeah. redacted everything and just like, you know, mostly black lines on the paper and just like a couple words. Like this might just be like, that sentence might just be like one long bleep with like some words not bleeped out. <laughs> 
<laughs> I like it. And then Nick, or Alex says, I almost picked Death Race 2000, but I own it, unfortunately, and is less than good. This is a great choice, too. You guys are, like, dead on with, like, what I had in mind yep. for the theme of the lap. Yep. You did excellent jobs. Both of these picks are awesome. I assumed that we would get picks like this, so... Cheers to you guys. You just, like, we're right in our brains. Perfect spot. Ben and Jake, if you're out there listening, and I hope you are. I mean, it would be weird if you're giving us money and not listening to the podcast. You still got time to pick for either lap six or lap seven. Either way, uh, just let us know what you want us to talk about. Cover, movie, TV, show, something else altogether. Yeah. Also exciting. And I'm sort of bouncing all over the place here. Joe, new $5 patron. Meet Justin Kleinman. Oh, nice. Well, we know Justin Kleinman. We do know Justin Kleinman, but he contributed at the $5 level. So now, that's awesome. Thanks, I did not mention Justin. it earlier because we uh, I wanted to save that little reveal. I did not oh, tell you this before. You, that's why you didn't say the names. Go mm-hmm. ahead. Very special shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellenin, and Justin Kleinman for supporting us on Patreon. Mm. Thank you all so very, very much. Yeah, thank you, brother. We appreciate it. Now that you said the Patreon names, thank you guys for helping to donate to Drift You a Merry Christmas. The toys are in. You hopefully saw the picture of them. I posted it on Twitter and Facebook. I thought they were really cool. Rachel was like, you got to get these out of the house before you start playing with them. They've gone to a church that lets parents come and pick the toys for their kids like live in a in a giant gymnasium, essentially. I heard nothing but great things about this place, so that's where they went, and hopefully kids find them and we have a bunch of fun fast and the furious toys for some kids cool next email from justin Kleinman. he did the uh the patreon and then he sent us an email subject line minnesota vikings Ooh, joey i know you're a vikings fan although i'm not sure why so here's the story i think <laughs> I, I thought i mentioned maybe on here but i did maybe i didn't so in the 90s when i was growing up the giants yes. and the jets are both very boring i mean they still are mm-hmm. my dad's a giants fan i wasn't crazy about either of them my dad's Best friend is a Vikings fan. He was the only person in the world I knew who was a football fan who did not like either the Giants or the Jets. So I was like, I'll give them a shot. The first year that I rooted for them was 1998 when they drafted Randy Moss, won 15-1, and had the best offense in history. <laughs> Heartbreak in the NFC Championship game. They lost to the Falcons. It's a pretty good run. But I was just like, oh, this is, the, this is the greatest. I mean, they got a great quarterback. They got two great receivers. They got a great running back. They got a great defense. Like, this We're going to ride this forever. <laughs> and then since then, you know, 22 seasons, there's been probably three or four good seasons. But, you know, there's been more than that. But, I mean, three or four great seasons. You know, this one's shaping up to be pretty good, but they're pretty much locked into the sixth seed, which is going to be tough to win in any of the top four. But anyway, Justin says, but this is both Vikings and car related, so here we go. Okay. I'm in the Minneapolis Pipe Fitters Union, number 539. We have season tickets to all major sports teams and the Minnesota Gophers oh. football, hockey, and baseball. They raffle tickets off after you, every union meeting. That's cool. I'm a, I, I like the Wild. Like they're they're doing interesting things. Didn't they have like one of the old Penguins GMs out there now, or the old Penguins coach? Oh yeah, Billy Guerin. He's the new GM of the Wild, and he played for the Penguins, won a Stanley Cup with us, and was our assistant GM up until last year. So that's cool. Very cool. And I also like, to some extent, the uh, the Timberwolves. I mean, I don't really follow too much basketball, but the Timberwolves have always been kind of cool, especially, you know, Uncut Gems, Kevin Garnett. Oh, yeah, Although he's, it's, he's circa the, the Celtics in that movie. And yeah. the Twins are cool. The Twins have a nice new stadium, even though it's an outdoor stadium in Minnesota and they've had snow outs. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Justin says, I'm not a fan of football, but recently won tickets to the upcoming Vikings-Packers game, which is this Monday night. So as you're listening to this oh, episode yeah. last night, knowing that this game being two days before Christmas and against the biggest rival would fetch me some cash, 
I was able to sell two tickets for a tiny sum of $765. Damn! That's a come up. Hey, man, I was a ticket flipper for a long time. I'm with you, brother. He says, enough money to easily buy a new exhaust system for my car that he sent in last episode that we have not guessed oh. yet, so I'm going to leave that off. Okay. Anyway, this email probably didn't need to be sent, but hey, you know, we, I appreciate it. No, just, like, fucking send it, man. Bullshit. That's fine. Yeah. I'm fine with it. Like, we like to hear what you guys are up to, so. But I've been drinking some Shell's beer and making gumbo, so my filter is at set pretty low. Have a happy holidays, <laughs> and I'm excited to start digging into the Patreon extras. Lots of love, Justin. Yeah, man. Welcome, and I love emails, so don't ever feel bad about it. Um, I want to know how this gumbo was. And also, you know, as we record this, as you're listening to this, I'm going to mail you the stickers with the note. So mm-hmm. hopefully they're there by Christmas. Maybe you can give them to your family, friends, loved ones as gifts. You know, just say, Ooh. this holiday season, enjoy the gift <laughs> of Too Fast, Too Forever. And at the top of the episode, could probably introduce them to something we have special coming. So mm. Mm, little mm. hint there. All right, next email from Joe Reed, subject line Joe 3. What's up, Joe 3? How have you been, brother? Hey, guys, I had to take a hiatus from y'all after Hobbs and Shaw came out to avoid spoilers. Ah, makes sense. He was waiting for the DVD to come out. Yeah. It just came out. That's perfect sense. The last episode I listened to was the no-spoiler Hobbs and Shaw review which was back in, like, uh, August? Beginning of August. That's been, so it's a while. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. Earlier this year, I had to take on the role of stay-at-home with dad once we had our third child. Well, congratulations. That's really cool, actually, dude. I've Joe 3 and child 3. It's very very symmetry, symmetrical, some uh, some nice synergy there. True. After a failed attempt to watch Hobbs and Shaw in theaters with a six-month-old, he says, I refuse to be the parent with a crying baby in public, so I bail as soon as the crying starts. I was forced dude, to wait for it on DVD. I appreciate you so fucking much. As a person who doesn't have any children, I see way too many parents just let their kids run and scream and run free. And I just want to say thank you for being awesome and respecting other people. That's all. That's really cool. I think I told the story on here. Maybe I didn't. Where I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark in IMAX like six or seven years ago. And it was like, it was the afternoon and there were like seven people in the theater. And there was like a young couple and their three-year-old toddler, and he was just yelling and shouting and running up and down the aisles. Oh, and I had paid $15 to get in, and I went up to them like after like 25 minutes of just nonstop just running with them not trying to settle them down at all. And I was like, look, I paid a lot of money to be here. I would appreciate it if you kept your kid quiet. And then like two minutes later, the mom took the kid out and never came back. Why are you going to pay $30 to see a movie? Like, and I just, I don't understand. I don't understand. So uh, the kid can't be having fun either. No, man. that's the whole point. That's what I'm saying. Like shout out to Joe three applauding you. Yeah. We appreciate you, this. man. We do. He says, I only got to the intro scene or through the intro scene until the rock tattoos, the guy in theaters, but I did a road trip up to Iowa and back recently. It was able to binge listen and catch up now. Very cool. Oh, very cool. It says love the monologue about emailing into things you love. I have very, very rarely done so. But I've kept up with emailing you guys because of the response back. Having you guys read the emails and talk about them gives it more of a connection than I've gotten from other emails I've sent. That kind of dedicated time and response is, I believe, what keeps people attracted to your show. Oh, thank you, Joe 3. I mean, if you're going to take the time to write in, we might as well take the time to read it. Like, you're doing more that's, work than that's, we are. That's Yeah, that's what I'm saying too, man. And, like, it's fun to hear from you guys and just bullshit and stuff. Like, I, th- I think it's more fun this way. If you just wrote, like, n- nameless emails to us and, like, we were just like, cool. That would be kind of shitty on my part. I would feel bad about it. I also think it helps us transition this show into a a show where we do absolutely no work and we just (laughs) 
talk about nonsense. We're pretty much there. I don't think I'm going to put Hobbs and Shaw in my rankings. I think the actual Fast and Furious movies will continue to be one list, and I'll need to do a separate list for any, quote, the Fast and the Furious Presents movies. Ah. I really enjoyed it, but it just doesn't fit into the main franchise list for me. So here is my (laughs) the Fast and the Furious Presents rankings. Number one, Hobbs and Shaw. Well played. On an earlier episode before Hobbs and Shaw came out, Joe, too, said he he had seen something in the trailers that he was either really excited to see or really upset he saw. I couldn't remember which one. He said in the trailers it was something really quick that happened, but he wouldn't say what it was because he wanted to wait to see if you caught it in the actual movie. Did he ever reveal what that thing was? I may have missed it if he did, but I've been curious what he noticed. I remember you saying this, but I don't know if you ever revealed it. What was it? In the trailer, you see a shot of the gas going through the engine. We get like oh, a classic, okay, a classic Justin Lin like you know, like through mm-hmm. the engine type thing, and I was like, oh man, that is so awesome! I'm really stoked that I saw it, but really upset that I didn't. And I don't remember if it's if it made it into the real movie or not, but it was definitely in the trailer, and I, I vividly remember it now. I didn't remember saying that when we were talking about the movies, but when you brought it up, that's what it was. Like, we've talked about that a lot. I don't know if that's something that I would think about as a thing that we always talk about. Like, I'm more interested in, like, sort of the characters and the lines and everything like that than the actual CGI. But, yeah, no, that that makes sense that you would be like, oh, I wish I didn't see that. But, again, that's kind of the the perfect trailer fodder. You know, we always talk about, like, oh, man, like, when did they use NOS and, like, hyperspeed and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, man, they're bringing back, you know, boost mode, so. Oh, I will say that Mike and I just recorded our episode of Toy Story for Hanks of the Memories, the original Toy Story. And at the end, when Buzz and Woody are trying to get back to the moving van as they're driving away, and they have RC jump out the back of the moving van to, like, save them, they hit Turbo on RC. I was like, ah, shit, that's NOS for RC. <laughs> Yes, it is. And the car that we got for the toy drive had turbo button on it, by the way. I was like, obviously, I have to get this. Of course. Joe says, this is getting long, so I'll wrap it up. As always, keep up the good work, Joe3. Well, thank you for writing in, Joe3. Hope you're having fun staying at home, being a stay-at-home dad. That's really cool. Congrats on the third kid. Yeah, amen. Is that the second baby that we've had that our listeners have had? Because we had Ben, uh, Lenny's pregnant. And yes. then we got Joe 3 having a baby. Like, there's Too Fast, Too Forever. The family's growing. Family the family's is growing. family's growing. Subject line, you'll know who this is from. My mom is so stupid, she waited till winter to plant snow peas. <laughs> Mr. Wells Lamont. Quick question, he writes. What? Why doesn't Jesse duck when Shran and his cousin pull up on their motorcycles, spraying everything in sight? Dom scatters and Brian starts shooting, but Jesse stands there like, oh, snap, they're shooting at us. I'm just chilling, though. It's upsetting, to say the least. Yeah, man, we didn't need to lose Jesse. He should have just ducked. We're going to assume that because Jesse had ADHD, that he went to a school that had, you know, assistance for children with learning disabilities, and he never underwent the proper emergency training as a student. Wow. Like, when they teach you, like, you know, what do you do in a hurricane or an earthquake so he didn't know the first thing of, like, hit-the-deck type response. We mentioned last episode, and we're going to have somebody email in about our conversation, but we are saying how we want a Han and Giselle trilogy. I want now a trilogy of Jesse movies before the first movie, like him going to school. <laughs> just like, in school? Just, yeah, just a slice of life where he just doesn't do that. <laughs> a total slice of life movie, which is Jesse just, like, the trials and tribulations of his high school time. Not that he's a huge character, but he's a pretty big character. Is there a character as big as he is in the movies that would have... 
a more boring movie. Like, he's got to be on the list of, like, on the power ranking of, like, what a good movie can be told about a character. Like, he's got to be pretty low. Yeah. Unfortunately. I, would, I, don't, I don't like like saying it, but, you know. Like, Little Nobody, maybe? Yeah, okay. That's that's a good that's a good comparison. That's all I can think of right now. They're like, who would be up there to be, like, anybody that's, like, working in the FBI, like, the Bureau and behind Brian, though? But I feel like even they would have kind of cool, like, I was going to say, you know, Lance, because we see Lance in the minute that we're going to get to this episode. Yeah. But, like, Lance is part of a gang, like, there would be kind of cool stories there. I feel like anybody in the cops could have cool stories there. No, but, like, I'm talking, like, the FBI people, like, when he's, like, like the paper pushers, like, oh, in Brian's, like, like his, office. his assistant or whoever, the woman in Fast and Furious yeah. 4, who's, like, just doing the legwork for him. Yep. Although like, maybe that would set up for, like, a spy, like a Melissa McCarthy and Jason Statham, where she's just, like, the support, and then she has to go into the field. I mean, there's, there's possibilities, but, yeah, Jesse, uh... Poor Jesse. Yeah, poor Jesse. R.I.P. Wells writes, Def need front plates in California. We got pulled over my buddy's car back in the day for no front plates, and the cop smelled weed, so he searched us. He ended up taking Damn. my friend's weed, but let him kept, keep his bong. That's, that's legit as fuck. California, man. This was mid-2000s before it was legal. He didn't find my weed because I put my cell phone over it in my pocket, and cops weren't too bright back then. <laughs> Apparently not. They were cool, though. They were young David Copperfields, and I had a few minor run-ins with them after this, and they always high-fived me after we were done dealing with it. I don't... I didn't think you were allowed to touch a cop. Like, well, I see many times on, like, live PD that somebody's like, can I, like, shake your hand? And the cop's like, don't fucking touch me. So if they high-fived you, that's even cooler. I guess they have to maybe initiate the contact. Contact? I don't know. I guess. I don't know. I don't know the rules of touching cops because I try to stay far <laughs> away from them. Wells says, nothing major, just dumb stuff. I swear I'm not a snitch. I've never been arrested or anything like that, but here in Walnut Creek, where I live, cops are dickheads. There's no crimes. So their board will call the whole entire unit down just for a jaywalker. Damn. I watched 2F2F this weekend with my buddy who'd never seen it. He was pointing out the most random shit, and I was dying because I'm thinking, who watches this movie and thinks these things? He made a comment <laughs> about how Roman had his fist <laughs> clenched when he was getting searched, like he was about to start pummeling the dude. He also pointed out, just as I did when I first watched it, the dude in the club in all white in the background dancing like you would in middle school when you don't know how to dance. Yeah. He also brought up how Brian held up the package to the other drivers that pulled up in the boatyard, kind of taunting them like, haha, we got it first, causing them to pull out a gun and want to shoot them over it. He asked me why they wouldn't just leave or act like they couldn't find it and then just slide out when everybody was scurrying around. I had no answer for him other than it's because it's a movie and he probably just didn't think they'd react that way. Yeah, like why would you be big dick in it when you could, like if you were professional robbers, you'd be like, oh damn, we didn't find it. Gotta go look over here. That's a good point. Yeah. It's a very good point. He says, we were higher than 10 kites watching it because he drugged me with edibles and I'm not on his edible level. It's really the best way to watch 2F2F, though. I've lost the essence of the movie since I watched it a million times, so it's kind of nice to watch it with fresh blood. I wish I remembered more, but like I said, 10 kites. (laughs) Also, Wells commenting that he watched a movie with someone and says, who the hell thinks of this stuff while watching this movie? When he's the one who thinks of this stuff. It's basically our reaction to him every single time, right? Exactly, yeah. It's beautiful. Another little thing that I forgot the meaning of due to years of taking 2F2F for granted is when Roman calls Verone's two cronies, Elian and Fidel. It's pretty funny. Oh, I know. It dates the movie so well, too, because, like, Elian Gonzalez was, like, firmly Mm -hmm. this time, you know? Fifteen years ago was a much fresher topic, and as big of a deal as that whole thing was, I was too young to grasp the intensity of an international custody battle. Also, in 2019, you can't be calling Hispanic people Elian and Fidel, so it sticks out even more than it used to. You tend to take yes. stereotypes in movies are just good old comedy until you watch a movie you haven't seen in 10 plus years and the stereotypes and racist jabs seem more like blatant racism and haymakers, even though it's not and was never meant to be. That's true. Times change and we have to look at everything through the lens of its time. Yep. Doesn't make it right. You should keep context. It's all funny to me, Wells writes, because, quote, those were the times, but damn if it doesn't make me go, oh shit, they just said that. <laughs> 
Yep. I tweeted this out a few weeks ago. The movie The Replacements is a perfect example of this. Blatant stereotyping that led to even more blatant racism that was not a big deal back then. It just used to bounce off me, but now I hear it and think, Jesus H. Lord. <laughs> One of my favorite lines in Eastbound and Down is when Kenny Powers is getting into oh, the God. Mexican dude, and I forget what he says, but it was a little racist. And the Mexican dude says, that's racism, man. I love to racism, bro. So whenever I hear some racist shit, I say that line, I start laughing because that type of shit is hilarious to me. It's a touchy subject, and I'm not trying to God. piss people off, and I've rambled on way too long about this. But if it pops into my head, I'm going to share it with you guys. That's how it goes. Okay, brosifs, until next rant. Peace, anus, you anus piecers. <laughs> Thank you, Wells, for that email. Eastbound and Down gets away with him saying a lot of horribly racist shit all the time. But that's his character, which doesn't make it right. I fucking love Eastbound and Down. And he says all kinds of wild shit all the time. That's the one show that my uh, Fantasy Baseball League is more upset than anything else that I have not seen. Are you fucking ill? That's right. It's mainly about baseball, too, you dummy. Oh, I know. I'm aware. Oh, God, it's so good. I mean, do you like, um, what's his name? Danny McBride? It, it's hit or miss. I, I liked Vice Principals. I didn't love Vice Principals. I liked Gemstones, Racer's Gemstones, a little bit more than that, too. Like, I'm looking forward okay. to season two of that. I think I'm going to really like Eastbound and Down, but I also don't like Kenny Power, or I don't like... Danny McBride in the way that some of my friends really because like he's kind of a god to some people yeah that's true like I think I'm gonna like it I'm just I don't know if I'm gonna love it but I have been meaning to watch it he's been down is like peak Danny McBride like he's fully playing the character that he plays in pretty much every other show you know like in like in gemstones and in vice principles he's playing the same character right right like it's all the same guy but like Kenny Powers is like the top shittiest, scumbaggiest version of this. Yeah. If you want more Righteous Gemstones-y-ness to him, Eastbound and Down is it. I fucking love that show. And every time I start, like, I, I'll watch it again and just be dying every time I watch it. Our next email is from Wes Hampton. Subject line, Tokyo Drift. What up, fam? What's up, Wes? I'm so happy that Kara liked Tokyo Drift. That's the true test of a person, and she passed. Not liking True. Brian or Hobbs is forgivable, but not liking Tokyo Drift is a crime. As you Thank mentioned, you. I've been doing some FNF podcast research, and I'm shocked at how many shows hate Tokyo Drift. It's such oh, a good yeah, movie. What? But honestly, that's a good litmus test for whether or not a show is even worth my time. You passed. Here are my new episode <laughs> observations. Sort of with you both on Star Wars. I never really had anyone in my life to instill a love of sci-fi or fantasy in me, so the love I have now, I discovered for myself. I watched the original trilogy a lot when I was younger, and even went to see the re-releases in theaters in the 90s, but now I'm mm -hmm. just sort of a casual fan. We don't even have tickets yet for the new one. I am seeing it no, tomorrow night. No, everybody's been talking about it. Yeah, everybody's been talking about it. It comes out tomorrow night, yeah. Uh, reviews are mixed at best. Yeah, I've seen some really bad reviews. Yep. I like the new ones fine, but the thing that turned me off a little bit on them was the fact that there doesn't seem to be a real plan in place for the story. It sounds like they gave whoever was writing and directing the freedom to shape things however they wanted. Yeah, that's an interesting choice. That seems to be the, the critical reception from what I've seen from headlines of the new one. It's like, it doesn't feel like a satisfying conclusion, which, on the one hand... Like, should it be J.J. Abrams' responsibility to sum up nine movies? Like, that feels like a lot of pressure for one guy. Yeah, but the thing is, you need, you know, like, we have, like, Vin. You need a creative director, mm. is what you need. You know what I mean? Like, maybe not the producer, but you need somebody behind it you being, like... You need a Kevin like, Feige for Marvel, who, like, basically single-handedly yes. orchestrated the MCU. You need a Vin Diesel, you're right. Like, you don't want to, like, box anybody in too much, but you need, like, a general, like... This is where the story's going to go. Get to this point. We know what's going to happen in the next five to get us there. We rewatched all the movies earlier this year when Mrs. West was doing a Star Wars droids cookie order for a friend. He says, if you ever wondered how oh, long it takes cool. her to do a set, that set of two dozen, 24 cookies, took the length of every Star Wars movie through 2018. Whew. What? And Rogue One Jesus. is my favorite. 
So that's why that's probably why I like the Mandalorian so much. Plus, you know, Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda's a huge thing right now. The child. I wish we could fast up Baby Yoda, but Ooh. I can't say Tokyo Drift is my favorite movie in the franchise, Wes says, but it's probably top three. It is definitely my number one or two on my ranking of which FNF movie to watch at any time, though. Because it's so approachable and because it doesn't fit, you're never missing anything from Tokyo Drift, yes. right? Because it, it's standalone-ish. I like 2, 2F2F for that reason, too. Like, that's one of the, my favorite ones to put on when it's on TV because, like, you're never missing anything from it, you know? It doesn't really, like hurt the story yeah it's like a standalone but also part of it and also just very watchable and very fun and short and breezy and everything we talked about last week this episode the tokyo drift episode has finally decided for yes. me what our fnf marathon order will be Kara's comments had settled it in my mind we've got to go chron- chronologically because i want all my friends to feel han's loss in their bones like we do every time plus yes. It's probably the best way to convince everyone that Tokyo Drift is actually a very good movie. This breather, dude, when we watch it this time, I yep. know we talked about it, but God, it's so refreshing between six and seven. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels really nice. It's so breezy. Like, I just got to tingle up my spine thinking about it. Like, I was like, oh. <laughs> Wes says, for the marathon, we already have one cup who's committed to the whole thing with us. The guy starting a podcast. Hey, stay out of our turf. With a friend. <laughs> It's sort of movie-centric, and Fast and Furious is on their short list of franchises to cover, but he hasn't seen them all or any. They want to put up the FNF episode the week of the new movie. Nice. So, good luck to them. Wes said that he wasn't going to give a lot of details about that podcast, but uh, I think that's something that Mike kind of does with Third Time to Charm, talk about different franchises. We did the uh, Amen, yeah. the Tokyo Drift crossover on Valentine's Day this year, which is very exciting. True. Wes says, speaking of our marathon, I'd love to somehow have our friends take your FNF character quiz at the party. I think that would be a blast. Ooh, I, we can make that happen, right? I no? think so. Yeah, we can figure it out. In my head, Wes writes, I've been planning a Han and Giselle fanfic story forever. I'm telling you because it will probably never happen, but it's obviously set between five and six. My version would be a sort of a spy thriller that fills in Giselle's backstory, since we technically have Han's backstory in Better Luck Tomorrow. I love the idea of a rom-com, though. Maybe I'll pivot it to be more like a Mr. and Mrs. Smith kind of thing. Fun. I like that. I mean, you could have three different kinds of movies. It can be a trilogy, right? Like, you could have three different things. Why don't we write it in a round, Wes, and, like, you write one serious chapter, and then I write one ridiculous chapter, and you try to make the story work after I ruin it. Possible. That would like work. Like Joey does with all of our podcasts. Like I'm going to do right there. <laughs> exactly, see? I know you there said you... you'll get to it eventually, so I don't want to say too much, but if you listen to the Tokyo Drift commentary, Justin Lin talks a lot about the filming process. Then okay. Wes gives some details that I'm not going to read about the actual commentary, because we will get to that at some point. Cool, okay. Uh, he says the race starter, credited as exceedingly handsome guy, is Satoshi Sumabuki. He's a famous actor, model, musician from Japan, and the movie's actually full of famous Japanese cameos. Oh, I didn't know that. I never picked up on it. I mean, like, you know, because we don't know the famous Japanese people, so... Right. Yeah. The ongoing debate about the Tokyo Drift timing issue with Sean's dad is one of my favorite things. It's definitely that his dad assumed his mom was an idiot and meant the 7th in America, 8th in Japan, and he was having one last big night before Sean showed up. But I'm also, which is my theory, but I'm also 100%, I, I also can't tell anymore. I, just, I don't know where we all fall. But they I'm blend, also yeah. 100% certain that no one working on this movie ever thought anyone would put any time into trying to work that puzzle out. It's the F and F Gordian Knot. Do you know the Gordian Knot? Yeah, I know the name of it, but I forget what it's from. What is it? It's an extremely difficult or involved problem. It's a legend of Phrygian Gordium associated with Alexander the Great. It's often used as a metaphor for an intractable problem solved easily by finding an approach to the problem. You just cut it in half, right? Wasn't that always the solution to the Gordian Knot? Like, as he just cuts it and he's like, I solved it. That renders the perceived constraints of the problem moot, cutting the Gordian Knot. 
See? I knew the story. I didn't remember where it was from. Wes says, I hope you're keeping a list of questions to ask Chris Morgan if you ever get to interview him. So we'll have to ask about No Knees Denise. Yes. Sean's mom and dad. That's what I'm saying. Like, we found another one of these. It's like a throwaway line that was just like, oh, you know, like, there's a joke. Like, his dad had this hooker. We're like, no. This makes no sense. We must crack this. We must crack. Gordian not, yeah. He says, that's it for this week. I'm excited to hear what special thing you have planned for next week's release. Until next time, stay furious. Wes. Well, you're getting very close to that part of the episode. Very, very close. But before we get there, we have one more email. This one from Alex Ellenin. Subject line, you like hats, Timmy? About two and a half years ago, I came across one of these subscription crates, but it was car-centric. I saw that there was a Paul Walker-themed month, and I jumped on it. A couple shirts and knickknacks were included, but it also included was an air freshener. Think pine tree hanging from every high schooler's rearview mirror. Except this one was in the shape of a pair of Converse. And that Paul Walker signature on the back. Oh, that's really cool, actually. I saved this until I bought my truck last year, and it's been hanging from the mirror ever since. Now, I tell you that to tell you this. I was driving home from work and started wondering about it. There's no way they made custom-made these. Someone has to sell them. So I started Googling, right? Turns out, no one's got them. Except the overstock portion of that box's website. Great, give me four. They also have more hats. So here's a link in case you all want your own tuna no-crust snapbacks. (laughs) Let me see. Do you have it? Yes, yeah. I it. It says, also, you guys are one Joe away from being a Cartoon Network spinoff. Well, we have Joe 3. He wrote an email today. He does. Oh, boy. This is this is certainly a hat. <laughs> Tuna, no crust, snapback. It's a good looking hat. It actually is a really dope hat. Do you know Matt's, like, obsession with hats? Do you know this joke about Matt? Maybe? I don't know. Every time we would go to, like, a new brewery, we would look and Matt would buy, like, a hat. And so, like, whenever we would, like, go to a brewery, we would just, like, sit down at the table. We'd look at, like, the merch. We'd look back at Matt and he'd be like, no. And we'd be like, you're going to do it. And he'd be like, no, no, no. And we're like, oh, you, you want one, don't you? And he's like, I saw kind of a cool one. And we're like, are you going to do it? And he's like, fine, I'm getting a hat. And then he would just like... <laughs> so we just been laughing at him. Wait, who was hats. obsessed with glass? Was he also with glass or was that Zach? Zach had a bunch of glass and was like trading glass for like a, a while. But the beer glasses are actually really cool. And you know, and they make like super limited ones. I have some pretty cool beer glasses too. And you can use infinity beer glasses, right? Like, sure. Like Matt was buying these hats and like not wearing them. And I'm like, what are you saving these fucking hats for? I don't get it. But hey, man collector's soul we get it i get it that's all the emails if you have an email you want to send in family at cageclub.me thank you all so very much for writing in we got a quite an array of people writing in today that was warmed it was a great warm yeah, my a heart great email in this christmas season this holiday season so thank you yeah. all for writing in thank you again to justin kleinman for supporting us on patreon too fast to forever.com if you want to kick us a couple bucks help us pick what to watch next year or just True. get some merch or just you know give our undying love and affection too fast to forever.com we're not going to do a full news segment, but there was one thing we need to talk about. Just happened. What, today? Just happened. Yeah. There was a rumor that today, December 18th, as we're recording this. There was a teaser. There was going to be a teaser for the teaser for the trailer. But what we found today, as I'm sure you know, if you are following us on Facebook or Twitter or just aware of the world, Super Bowl week in Miami, they are going to have a Fast and Furious themed concert with Cardi B, with Wiz Khalifa, with Charlie Puth, with Ludacris, all performing. So Makes so much sense. Two or three days before the Super Bowl. And they are also going to show the trailer for the first time at the concert. Hashtag get 2F2F to Miami. Let us get, did let's you like get my, us there. Did you like my second two? Did 2F2F to Miami? Yes. Perfect. I would like to go. We entered. There's like an entry thing. I'm going to harass the Universal Twitter and them if you guys want to help. That would be awesome. If we wind up getting tickets, I'm going to be very hard pressed to not go. The chances are in the universe's favor. If they want us there, 
We'll win tickets, one of us. I'm gonna, I pinned the tweet to our Twitter page. So at Too Fast Too Forever on Twitter. If you want to go over there and just shout at them, tell them Universal Picks go. and the Fast Saga. Are we following the Fast Saga? We are. It's the like the real Fast and the Furious page. I want to go because it will be awesome for us to cover the fucking release of the trailer, right? Like, isn't that perfect for us? Yeah. I think that there's no two people that should be there more than us and to just do like an episode immediately afterwards, get hyped for the trailer. Let's do it. Get 2F2F to Miami. 2F2F to Miami. All right, Joe, before we take a break and do our very special holiday thing, we have one more thing to do. It's the Fast and the Furious Minute. Minute 27, a minute I called, I'll die before I go back. No, never. Ever done time? A couple of overnighters, no big deal. What about the two years in juvie for boosting cars? (laughs) Tucson, right? Yeah, I had Jesse run a profile on Brian O'Spillman. They'll find anything on the web, anything about anybody. So why bullshit? So what about you? Two years in Lapa. I'll die before I go back. Ah, great. What? A long ass night, that's what. So this one is, I feel like this is a more compressed timeline, maybe, than what we were thinking, because I think we, th- we might have thought a couple minutes before Johnny Tran. I did. Lance and crew roll up here at the end of this minute. Yeah, I thought that we had, like, I thought that this conversation ran longer. That's but, what I was... I mean, the conversation's about. like 45 seconds, which in, in movie time is kind of a lot. But then, you know, Lance and crew roll up. I think there's six bikes with maybe nine people. Like, like Lance has somebody on the back of his it's, bike... It's five bikes. I thought I saw six. It's like two on each side and one in the back is what I remember. Five or six bikes, and there's like eight or nine total riders. I think there's three bikes with two people on them, so yes, they're, yeah, they're yeah. doubling up. So Dom and Brian talk about their past. Johnny Tran's crew roll up on them, tell Brian to follow them. Five or six bikes, eight or nine total riders. Notable moments of trivia, we have the first introduction of Johnny Tran's crew. We learned that Dom spent time in prison. We get yes. Lance's first line of dialogue. And mm-hmm. I noticed that neither Dom nor Brian wear their seatbelts. Hey, kids, wear your seatbelts. Yeah, what the fuck is that? I didn't notice that. Good call. They're in the Sparco seats, but, you know, just buckle up. Yeah, that's weird. And they wore the seatbelts when they were driving. Yeah, especially like given when they that were Paul Walker's going to die in a car accident. You know, it's Lance wearing the black leather jacket, red motorcycle helmet, holding an SMG submachine gun in his hand. That's the only real sort of up-close and personal look at clothing that we get. Next minute... When they pull over, we'll have some more clothing there. But mm-hmm. Joe, the big thing I think here is the actual, what the bikes are. So you want to hit us with some, uh, so also tell your story about Rachel and uh, the car movie database. I assumed we've said it a million times on here. And if you have access to the document, you know that I link everything to the car movie database. Rachel and I were watching a movie. What was it? And she's like, oh man, I wonder what car that is. And I was like, oh, just go look it up on the car movie database. And she was like, what? And I was like, car movie database like just go look it up i'm sure it's in there and she's like this exists and i was like yeah dude like how do you think we're doing the minute i don't just like (laughs) know all of these random cars with like kits on them like off the top of my head like to figure out like what the actual car is like you don't right you didn't know this existed and she's like i thought you guys just knew this is cheating and i'm like 
what? Like, what the fuck are you t- Like, I don't know, like, every random 90s fucking motorcycle by the year and headlights. Maybe like, maybe I should. She, I was, I'm actually impressed that she thought that at one point that I was just getting these, like, all straight off the top of my head. What if that was the one thing that was keeping you with her or keeping her with you? Like, she's like, you know, he really pisses me off sometimes, but, like, God damn it, encyclopedic knowledge of 90s cars is really, like, you know, really gets me going. And now here she's like, oh, no, like, everything I've loved about him is a lie. Exactly. She's had that moment many times. Oh, I'm but, sure. But, yeah, I know, right? So this with Lance's bike and the bike on the left. So there's five bikes. We'll get to the next one. I, I know that it's coming up in a scene as soon as they, like, pull them over. The bike in the front right, which is the bike that Lance is on, is a 97 Suzuki GSX R600. Mm-hmm. He has it red, white, and blue. We don't know who is riding the bike on the left, but it's the the firmly red one, and that's a '98 Honda or CBR 600 F3. Do we know any? Is anybody else in Lance's crew or Johnny Tran's crew named other than Lance? I think Lance is the only one. But uh, hey, man, guess what? We're, We're doing a fucking minute. Yeah, we're going to find out. The music in here, I think it's the song, it's, it kicks off at the very, very end, Motorcycle to Saigon, which is still from the score by BT, Brian Transo, that begins. That would make sense. And that title makes sense. He kind of names them kind of aptly, right? Mm-hmm. You saw a couple signs, which I didn't even catch. I mean, I know that, are you seeing these as we drive by very quickly through the window? No. When they're driving, I'm taking a wild guess that that's all just like green screen, right? Mm, like maybe, when, possibly. Like when Brian and Dahmer in the car, it's just like... You know, I don't think that it would be because I think that would be very expensive for them to do. It'd be more economical, I think, for them to actually just shoot on the street. When they're in the car riding, it's not like a green screen. It's like when they like run just like shots of the side. Like they had a car, right? They put cameras out. Brian and Dahmer in a car with like no windows and they're shooting it through the thing. Do you ever see this? In movies, like, when they're made. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Sit- like, an old-timey kind of thing. Yeah, like, they're sitting in a car in the studio, and, like, something is, like, running by on, like, screens on the side of them. They're not actually driving the yeah, car. Yeah, I feel because- like, I don't know if they do that anymore. They might. I feel like this is probably, I, think that they did. I don't know, maybe. You see the signs when Johnny Tran's crew pulls up, because then they're actually on the street in a car. Gotcha, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, everything that's happening on the side of them while they're in the car talking is blowing by way too fast and way too neon to stop and read like even at like a very you know high def rate but when we see johnny tran and his crew pull up they pass a payless shoe source not even like a payless like the old school ones right in front of that is a restaurant it looks like a restaurant and it's called bolia b-o-l-e-a okay i think it's a restaurant i tried to find it in california couldn't find it I'm taking a wild guess that this restaurant is gone. Those are my finds of the day. Yeah, there's not a lot to notice in this minute because a lot of it is just, in, it's all Dialogue. in the car. And then we zoom in a little bit to see the, the, the bikes roll up on them. But yeah, you know, it's true. just pretty much conversation. So I have three different questions. Kay. We can do one. We could do more than one. This is up to you. Three questions. We got what prison did Dom do two years in? Mm. How many years was Dom in prison? Or how many years was, quote, Brian Earl Spilner, the fake profile, in prison. So which of those do you like one, do you like two, do you like three of those? Which one do you want to keep for the quiz? Oh, two years in Lompoc. I like that one. Like, maybe do a combined one. Like, Dom and Brian both admit they were in prison for the same amount of time. How much time was it? Okay. And you could do, like, two years, two months, two weeks. No, maybe not too many twos, but, like, two... We could do two months, six yep. months, two yep. years, five years. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the answer, That's course, really good. Two years. That's a good question. Any other things that you caught in this minute? Again, not a not a bad minute. I like the I like the character development. I like the backstory here. Just not a lot necessarily to talk about because it's just them inside the car. This is a great character building moment, but it's not a lot going on around it besides like the dialogue and stuff, which we have. Right. So 
we're gonna get a good one next with uh when they stop oh, yeah. like Johnny Tran like there's gonna be so much to see and oh, do yeah. and stuff. So I'm excited. Nas Run, 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 run. Let's take a quick break. Come back with a very special holiday bonus special feature thing right here on Too Fast, Too Forever. Episode number 62, The Night Before Fast and Furious. Brought to you by the Santa Claus Conservatory, the platinum levels designed specifically for Santas who would like to add TV commercial shows, movies, and commercial photography to their list of services. Santa Ed shares his experience and connections in the entertainment industry after having appeared in 13 national commercials. Shout out to the Santa Claus Conservatory. So we've sort of been teasing it for a while. So tonight's episode is a dramatic reading of a poem of a story, of a tale, written by Demi Adejuibe, who is someone I think I have mentioned on here before. So Demi is a producer and a writer for a bunch of TV shows. He produced for At Midnight. He has written for The Good Place. Uh, he's got a couple podcasts. He had Gilmore Guys. Uh, he's got Pump Up oh, the Jams. Nice. He's just a great podcast guest. He's super funny on Twitter, at Electro Lemon. Generally, one of my favorite sort of Twitter comedians, sort of comedy bang bang Never Not Funny yeah. Adjacent World. The week, I think, of Fate of the Furious, Demi put on Medium a poem called The Night Before Fast and Furious, a bedtime story of fleetness, furor, family, and F-coronas, because all their F's. Illustrations by Heather Christensen. In honor of the holiday season, because you know, it's the night, it, this comes out on Christmas Eve, it's the night before Christmas, Yep. and this poem, this story, this tale is set to the pace of Twas the Night Before Christmas. Uh, we figured we would do a dramatic reading of this, we've got some with a little help, friends, a little help, family. We have, we don't have friends. We have family. We don't have friends. We have family. All voices you should know, except for one. One voice you will not know yet. But Nate Milton, we talked about. He, we were on his Rocky Maivia oh, Picture Show podcast. Yeah, which the episode will come out in February. He will probably, hopefully, be on our next lap. He does a little bit in here. Everyone else in here, you know, we've got Brian Rodriguez. We've got Mike Manson. We've got Caragalo Regan. We've got Jordan Poland Clark. We've got the foodie film's man himself, Kyle Reinfried, and then you, of course, you, me, and Nate. Amen. The moon was slow moving and couldn't be sped. The speedsters were snug in their big race car beds. Racer Xmas was coming, it'd soon be arriving. But Paul Walker stirred, for his mind was still driving. He rose with a loudness that jostled the house. I know how to celebrate, he gasped as they roused. Let's put on a show. Oh, it'd be terrific. They murmured with doubt, but asked for specifics. You'd all form a street crew. Vin Diesel, you'd lead them and steal things for money but street race for freedom. I'd be a cool cop who goes undercover. We'd first fight as rivals, but end up as brothers. The whole house was eager and lit up with passion as they thought of duties Paul and Vin could fashion. It'll be full of action, just packed to the gills. But Tyrese wanted brisker and angrier still. Your idea is good, Tyrese hesitated, but Ludacris and I would make it high-rated. Take my role then, buddy. You lead it, Vin says. I'll make the call so we get Eva Mendez. Paul mumbled who? He couldn't recall. 
This takes place pre-2001, after all. Yet they stayed enthused, more so inspired. But Lucas Black called for less quickness and ire. Bah, Lucas drawled. That idea's atrocious. It's just far too frenzied and far too ferocious. Let Bow Wow and I drive abroad. I insist. We'll take over Tokyo. You catch my drift? The friends smiled and nodded, all very confused. No one really got how Lucas joined the crew. With shrugs, they moved forward, all on the same page. But Vin went and asked for more swiftness and rage. I'm back in, Vin stated, but traveling's fun. What if Paul joins my crew for a Mexico run? I'd end up in prison. Michelle, you would die. The crew gasped in awe. She passively sighed. Whatever, she mumbled. The gang was elated. They reveled the way they always celebrated. Let's drink, Paul cheered. Coronas, Vin added. But Dwayne said it must be more rushed and more rabid. More stunts, more danger, more heist, the rock screamed. Can I be an agent who's hunting your team? I'll chase you to Rio, join up for revenge, and let you drag vaults through the streets as amends. That's not possible, Jordana replied, but she could not be heard over all their high fives. The Rock gave their project some rejuvenation, but Michelle craved more hustle and more indignation. I'm not really dead, she stated so plainly. I'm brainwashed and evil, but you have to save me. We'll drive through a plane in our final invasion, and at the last minute, ta-da, Jason Statham. They all shouted, whoa, upon hearing his name. No one cared how largely the concept had changed. They started their cars and their Nas apparatus, but Kurt wanted far more momentum and madness. More, Kurt Russell yelled. Take it to ten. You're not just street racers. You're now supermen. Let's drop cars from planes, bomb copters and homes, hang off car spoilers, and flex broken bones. I think it should be a bit sweeter, Paul grimaced. Kurt rolled his eyes. Fine, but in the last minutes, the friend all concurred that this was the right path, but Charlie still wished for more haste and more wrath. Before Charlie Theron could speak, Vin proclaimed, Enough is enough. It can't be more insane. What idea is better? What outlandish scene? She grinned and said two words, Ice Submarine. A silence befell her. Words echoed the halls. The crew looked to Vin and then Vin looked to Paul. He stared at Charlize, then scowled and said cannily, That idea's crazy. Enough for this family. Paul's confirmation made all the crew go nuts as Vin and Kurt doled out a round of Coronas. Their pitches were solid, but this one was sturdiest. The ideal levels, so fast and so furious. Together they'd stricken a beautiful chord. An ode to the streets, stunts, and cars they adored. It's perfect in furor and perfect in speed, but still, let's make more. The crew all agreed. So I love that. Thank you, Demi. I mean, if if Demi finds this, I mean, we're going to tag him on Twitter, but I do not expect him to hear this. But, Demi, you have an open invitation to be on this podcast at any point to talk about whatever you want. Doesn't even have to be about the Fast and Furious, but that is a beautiful poem. I found this so long ago, and I've been saving it for this very episode, this this weekly time slot. I hope you enjoyed. I guess my my question to you, Joe, is that for a while I was teasing like, oh, I got something special. I wasn't telling you what it was. When I finally sent this to you, what did you first think? I thought, this is awesome. My first immediate thought was we got to get our family in on this. Like, I was like, we need some help. 
we need to assemble a crew. We need a team of experts. Somebody that's good with gears. Somebody that's good with circuits. A chameleon who can blend in anywhere. A chameleon that can blend in anywhere. We need to bring this bring this home. So that's what we did. Yeah, I mean, I originally I was just going to have you and me read it, and then you said bring in the family. I was like, oh, that's a better idea. And so we reached out, and everyone was game, and uh, everyone got us the audio, and I love what they did, and so I'm very excited Same. to hear Strung All Together. Like, I wonder if when Demi wrote this, he ever thought that there would be a dramatic reading of his by, of his By words. eight people. I hope so. I envision this to be like a Yule log as you gather around the Christmas tree <laughs> today, that you just listen to our voices lead you lead you in the Fast and the Furious Christmas poem that you deserve. So that'll just about do it for this episode. So next pit stop in two weeks, we are going to be talking about Fast and Furious Spy Racers. Oh, that's that true, That is the yeah. Netflix series. It comes out as you're listening to this. If you listen to this the day it comes out, it comes out in two days, the day after Christmas, or if you're up north in Canada, uh, on Boxing Day. Go check out Fast and Furious Spy Racers. But between now and then, we've got Furious 7. Carol going to come back for that. You heard her in the, the night before Fast and Furious. But Carol will be back to talk about Furious 7. Say farewell mm-hmm. to Paul. Say hello mm-hmm. to Kurt Russell. Uh, as we wind down the Driving School app with three more episodes to go. We have caught up now. So we got 7, Fate, Hobbs. And I'm very excited. Same. Any other thoughts, Joe, about... Uh, I think next week when we do the Furious 7, I think in the intro we can kind of look back at the year of Fast and Furious. Because that episode comes out on... New Year's Eve, but any other thoughts oh. about this episode or the night before Fast and Furious or anything that you want to say before we uh, wrap up today? No, great mailbag, and I hope you guys liked the night before Fast and Furious. Yeah. Uh, and we will link it if you want to read the whole thing for yourself, just if you want to read the pictures it are great. The animations are great. Yeah, so uh, yes. so make sure to, to click it or go find it. Go and... to cageclub.me and it'll be on there and you can click from there and you can see all the art because the art is all beautiful. Mm-hmm. Go check that out at cageclub.me. But for all things Too Fast, Too Forever, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash Too Fast, Too Forever or at too fast too forever on twitter and instagram email us family at cageclub.me joe like you just said thank you so much for all the emails both tonight and all year long and all ever since the beginning of the show but tonight was an especially True. great mailbag yeah i agree check out our patreon page at too fast forever.com once again special shout out to justin Kleinman for supporting us over there new patron over there stickers on the way to you or in your hands already depending on how usps handles this come back next week for furious 7 come back in two weeks Start watching in two days. Fast and Furious Spy Racers. We've got a lot of exciting things coming up in 2020, including a brand new movie, Fast and Furious 9. Remember, hashtag get2f2f to Miami. To Miami. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Two. And we'll see you next time right here on Too Fast, Too Forever.